Tonight, God's word comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And we're going to be reading just the first 13 verses of this chapter. First Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, for those of you who are visiting with us this evening, we have been working our way uh, through Paul's letter uh, to the church at Corinth, and for the last couple weeks, working on uh, this section, chapters 8 and 9 and 10. Uh, this section of Paul's letter has the general theme of a warning, a warning to God's people against idolatry. In chapter 8, Paul talked about how their actions, how their ethic, had to be based not on knowledge, but on their love, love for God and love for each other. And then in chapter 9, we saw Paul giving a defense for his authority. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Yes, I am both of those things, but I give up my freedom for the sake of others. Paul establishes his authority to teach and instruct them. And now in chapter 10, he's going to bring to a close this part of the letter and his warning against idolatry. And in the first half, we're going to look at just the first half tonight, we'll look at the uh, next half of chapter 10 next time. In this first half, as he brings his argument to a close, he's going to give a number of examples from the history of God's people. Examples of what happened to them as a warning to the Corinthian church. If this could happen to them, this could happen 
to you as well. And of course, the same, the same is true for us. These things were given as examples for us, as warnings for us to stay close to God. The Corinthians were saying, we are so strong, we are so confident in ourselves, it's okay for us to go to these pagan idol feasts and enjoy the food there. It's okay for us because we're so strong and we know who we are. And Paul says, be careful. Be careful. Israel thought they knew who they were too, but their relationship and their security in God was more, was more than simple, simply an external connection with the people of God. It would need to be an internal, ongoing devotion that would show that God continued to walk with them. And again, we ask ourselves, where do we find our security in life? Is it in our external connection to the church? Is is it because our name is written on the roll of a church somewhere? Or do we find ourselves continually asking God that by His Spirit we might live in a way that is pleasing to Him? That we hear the warnings, the warnings from history, heed them, and walk in the ways of God. Paul begins with a number of Old Testament examples. Verse 1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's going to talk to them about the privileges that Israel had as the people of God. But notice how he begins. I want you to know that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. He's talking about Israel. But don't forget, Corinth was predominantly a Gentile church. This was a church planted by the Apostle Paul. What Paul is doing is is connecting these Gentile believers with the history of God's people. These were our fathers. Paul doesn't say they were my fathers. He could say that as a Jew. No, these were our fathers, connecting them with God's people throughout the ages. And of course, we do that as well. The history of Israel is our history. We, by faith, are part of that ongoing people of God. So we read a psalm, like tonight, Psalm 78, a psalm about the history of our fathers, our fathers in the wilderness who would not follow after God, who were unfaithful, and God came with judgment. Those warnings were given for us. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Paul says our fathers had privilege. They were baptized, they were connected with God through a sacrament. I find it so interesting how, how easily Paul takes the New Testament sacrament of baptism and links it with Old Testament Israel. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud, in the sea. This reference to going down into the sea and going through and coming up on the other side. Now, our Baptist brothers and sisters love to say, look, that's a picture of how we are to be baptized. We are to be immersed as Israel was. They went down into the sea, into the waters, and they came up on the the other side. And while I appreciate 
the picture, I lovingly remind our Baptist brothers and sisters, Israel went through the sea on dry ground. Who was immersed? Pharaoh and his hosts. They were drowned. So yes, it is a picture of the waters of baptism, but Israel coming through on dry ground. They were privileged to be connected to God by the sacrament of baptism. He goes on, and all them ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Yes, they had baptism, and they had the blessing of spiritual food and drink. He connects the Lord's Supper with what happened to Israel. They were given water in the desert. They were given manna in the desert. They had the privileges of the sacraments. And yet, yet, Paul says, nevertheless, in spite of all their privilege, in spite of what they had, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. God was not pleased. They had all the privilege, just like the church of Corinth. Corinth was under the blessing of God, experiencing that fellowship with him. They had the sacraments. Paul's going to give them correction on the sacraments. And, and yet, Paul says, don't think that simply that, that connection to the church, that saying, look, I'm a member of the church, is sufficient. There has to be an ongoing, regular fellowship and desire to please God. Israel had all the privileges, and yet with many of them, it says, God was not pleased. What an understatement. The whole generation died out in the wilderness. God was not pleased, and they found himself, themselves under his judgment. Be warned. They wanted to say, look, we're so strong, we're members of the church, but we can still go to these pagan activities. We can go to these idolatrous feasts. Paul says, be careful. Be warned. Don't, don't get involved and say, look, I'm a member of the church, so I can do what I want. No, an ongoing desire to walk in the ways of the Lord. Examples from the Old Testament to teach them a lesson. Our assurance is not in what we have done or anything that we can say about ourselves. I'm a member of the church. I do this or that. Our assurance is in Christ and what he has done. He has made us members of himself. Because of him, we come to the baptism. We come to the table. We look away from ourselves to Christ. Paul is now going to take these Old Testament examples and apply them to the New Testament Corinthian church. Look at verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And once again, verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. And he's going to take four lessons from the history of God's people as a warning to the Corinthian church don't think that you can do whatever you want. Don't think that you're so strong. Don't think that just simply by saying, I belong to the church, I can go off and do these pagan, idolatrous things. He says in verse 7, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Paul here quotes from the Old Testament 
He's quoting from the story in Exodus chapter 32, the golden calf incident, kids, where, where, where Israel was going to worship a golden calf from, from Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, let us make gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They would reject God for the sake of a golden calf. They would, they would refuse the glory of God, refuse to recognize Him, and instead say, this is the image we're going to use of God. This calf, this beast, is going to be a substitute for the God who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. As for Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. We don't know about God Himself. So we're going to make something else, something of our own design. We're going to do it our way, not God's way. The people in Corinth were saying, look, we're so strong, we have knowledge, we can go and partake of these pagan activities, these idolatrous feasts, and it'll be okay because, because we belong to the church. And Paul warns them. Paul warns them, be careful. Israel belonged to, to the people of God. And yet when they would reject him, when they would try to do things their own way, God would come in judgment. Their first lesson from history, God, God's ways must be followed, not their own ways. He goes on. After warning against idolatry, verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Now he makes reference to the story that we find in Numbers chapter 25. In Numbers 25, we read this. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to the Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the whole congregation of Israel, while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped, and there were over 20,000 who died that day by the plague. 
They would leave God's law. They would think they could do whatever they wanted. They would leave lives of immorality. Paul has addressed immorality in the church already. Back in chapter 6, he talks about immorality. He's saying, don't think, don't think you can say, look, I belong to the church so I can live how I want. We must live according to the ways of God, walking in his paths. Paul will go on giving us two, much, two more lessons. Verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them were, did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Here he hearkens back to Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, we read there at verse 4, From Mount Hor they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the, Lord, and, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray that the serpents might be taken away. They would speak against God, they would speak against Moses, and what happened? The serpents came and bit them, and many died. What was going on in Corinth? They were speaking against God and against Paul his anointed apostle. Paul couldn't be more on point. Look, be careful how you live, he's saying, because God has not changed. God is still a God who will not allow us to reject him or to reject his appointed servant. Don't be like they were, Paul says. He says, don't grumble. I won't look at the text tonight. Maybe look at, make a note to yourself. Numbers 14 is a text about the people grumbling against God again and again and again. They didn't like the way God was doing things. They wanted to do it their own way. And many were found under God's judgment. Paul applies these Old Testament stories to the New Testament church. Do not be as they were. Do not do as they did. And that same warning that comes to Corinth comes to us as well. We are not beyond them. We have the same tendency to say, look, I belong to the church. Look, I know I'm a Christian. I can live how I want. Paul says, be careful. They would have said the same thing, both in Israel and in Corinth. And yet God would come in judgment. But Paul, Paul being the faithful but also loving pastor, concludes in this way. Verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. A warning. Be careful, be careful. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Paul comes with this instruction, flee idolatry. Don't go to those feasts. Don't go to those sacrifices and those temples. And, and you can imagine the people in Corinth who had been doing that now coming under the conviction of God's Word. What about us? Are we lost? We were those who did partake of the pagan feast. Do we have any hope now? And Paul gives this loving encouragement. 
Don't forget, he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Throughout history, men and women, boys and girls have been tempted and have fallen into sin. But he says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, God does that in one of two ways. Either he literally lets us avoid the temptation that we not fall into sin, or if we do, as many of them had, he provides a way of escape through his Son, Jesus Christ. If you look back on your life and you say, you know, there's some sins I have committed that, that probably God can't forgive. They're probably too big. I, I, I know my past. I know what I've done. Paul says, God has provided a means of escape. Flee to Jesus Christ. Trust in him for the forgiveness of all of your sins. God is the God who is faithful. He would be faithful to his people in the Old Testament. As we read in Psalm 78, yes, many were destroyed, but he chose Judah. He chose a portion to continue to hold on to. God's chosen, God's elect. Yes, in Corinth, God would come and give words of judgment upon them, but he would continue to have a church there. And the same is true with us. Yes, we may have sinned in the past. We may have sinned this past week. We may have sinned today in a way that is grievous against God. When we flee to Jesus Christ, avoiding the idolatry of saying, I can do it myself. No, flee to Jesus Christ and know the assurance of his forgiveness, of his faithfulness to his people. And that's the call again tonight. The call to, to, to give up trust in ourselves, trust in our resume and what we can say we have done, but to embrace Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, the one who came to fully cover all of our sins, the one who was faithful to the Old Testament people by faith, the one who was faithful to Corinth by faith, and the one who today calls us to place our faith in him and to know the assurance, the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and belonging to God. Not just, not just a name on the role of a church, but belonging to God because he holds on to us and calls us to that ongoing fellowship with him. Yes, Paul comes with a warning, a warning we have to heed, but the warning is followed by a blessing. In Jesus Christ, we have everything we need, even in these times of temptation. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how we are so thankful for your word written, a faithful record of history of your way with your people. Yet we know, O oh God, as we've read and sung this evening, that history is a history of unfaithfulness. And we recognize that in our own lives. We recognize we have not always been faithful to you. We have said things, we have done things, we have thought things that are wicked, that are evil in your sight. We have been unfaithful. And yet we are so thankful that you are faithful. You will never neglect your own. You are the God to whom all glory and honor and praise belongs. Lord, help us to turn away 
from placing our trust in anything else, placing our trust in ourselves for our salvation. May we trust wholly in you, the God who's done everything necessary to secure us as your people, both now and in eternity. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.